Good morning, everyone. It's a gorgeous sun, summer morning here in Abbotsford. No, our round table. How do you feel when you have a healthy connection with someone? And what makes for a healthy connection for you? If we go back to the image we just saw, and we don't have to actually go back to the image of you know, trying to open up and, and kind of finding another layer of something underneath that doesn't allow us to get at the stuff we want to get to. Um, I, for me, um, I feel connected with someone if there's been, if, if I've understood something new about them or something more clearly about them, and if I have felt heard myself that really feels healthy to me that there was kind of a, an exchange. And um, so now we're gonna open it up and we're gonna see uh, if the rest of you have any thoughts about um, healthy connections and what that looks like for you. Well, for me, um, I've been dealing with unhealthy relationships basically now, right now, and trying to figure out what's not healthy about them. and. So I guess it's what you said. I don't know. Other than that, what you said. It is, it is um, interesting that we can be, at, we were having a chat with a couple last night that we met for the first time and, um, and do they're they're from New Zealand and they were saying how many friends over the period of COVID that they had um, lost touch with, but also lost genuine connection with. And, um, and they said, it's interesting to look back and kind of go, well, what was the connection or was it just a convenience of proximity? So, um, it, it, it's an interesting thing to kind of look at within the context of the relationships you have. Um, Diane says, in a healthy relationship, I can share my true feelings without shame. Yeah. Yeah, to be... Um, to be accepted and loved when you're being the most vulnerable, particularly about your um, shortcomings is, uh, is very powerful, very powerful. There are some people I have connection with that it doesn't matter how long it is since we chatted or how long it is since we were together that I can, we just pick up and carry on where we left off. And I feel like those are the healthy ones that um, they're not like, they don't need a constant. I don't know, because having a constant is also a good thing. But you know, they're the people who can, I can be apart from for six months, and then we get together and it's like, we've seen each other yesterday. Um, I, I like those kind of relationships, as well as the everydays. I like a relationship where I can talk about something and uh maybe it's an issue or a problem often with another guy and uh i like it if he doesn't just tell me what to do right away 
Uh, I think that's a very typical uh, male response. I do it all the time. Uh, I'm trying to listen more, but I think a meaningful connection is when someone will listen and not necessarily give you the suggestion for the improvement right away. Uh, and just listen and maybe, you know, maybe after a little bit, bring up some tentative ideas. And I don't mind that, but sometimes people, they almost uh, interrupt me when I'm still not finished the, my uh, discussion. So a healthy connection is someone that really listens and, and is caring. That's really good, Lando. Marjorie on the chat said, in a healthy relationship, I don't feel like I have to pretend or perform. Yeah, that's really good. I think for me, I am, um, I'm learning that a lot of good connection comes from, I don't know if you guys all remember the math thing called bed mass. It's like the order of operations, you know, brackets, exponents. I was never very good at math, but I'm a good word person. So I remember bed mass. And Lando, what you said reminded me of what I'm learning builds good connection, either someone to me or me to someone else. Like, it's not that generating ideas about how you might solve a problem together isn't a part of connection, but it's like if someone doesn't see you and isn't curious to understand what your experience is like or what you're feeling, what you're experiencing, um, then getting the advice feels like a shut up and fix it. And I'm just really learning to be with the person's experience and to like try and bring curiosity into that. Like, tell me more about that. What was that like for you? And I just feel like it creates just this mutual space for connection when uh, I change the order of events instead of going straight for the fix, going to like kind of hold the person's experience um, first. And I know that I feel regrounded when someone is able to do that for me just go well, yeah I, I believe it was like that for you or like seems like that was really sad or those kind of things first and then that leaves so much more room for like curiosity about how to solve things and then it feels like a gift instead of this wet blanket over a conversation I think we're gonna move to um communion now and I get to introduce Carol I most of you will if you've been on will have seen her and she pops into chat every once in a while you may not know that she's from North Carolina South Carolina South Carolina well, <laughs> it's just a direction right yeah. um, the east coast of the U.S. and um um, she made a connection through other connections and landed here. And um, she's, how long have you been with us, Carol? Uh, three, four months, I think. I think I it's know. longer than that. Has it been? I think so. Maybe six months? Six. Maybe six, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, here's a, here's a situation where um, someone from way outside our context here in Abbotsford um, has joined in and found a community that she can be a part of. Um, and um, her and I have been able to connect via emails and uh, FaceTime. And, um, you know, part of what Sarah and I endeavor to do is 
to keep folks who are outside of our locality here connected as much as possible. So if you are a, a Zoom attendee and you want to have some time um, with Sarah or I, um, please just reach out. We're more than happy to spend some time with you and get to know you better and stuff. So Carol has uh, consented to um, joining us this morning and contributing communion for us. So um, hopefully you have your elements and Carol, please lead us. <laughs> Thanks, Eden, I appreciate it. Um, first of all, I'm a little nervous. I've never done anything like this before. So, um, so in fact, the first communion I took was last fall, BC, and, um, or the fall before BC, or um, uh, before COVID. Anyway, um, so um, and so I don't have a lot of experience with it other than the fact that I don't know. But anyway, so I asked a lot of my friends and um, about what they thought communion was. And I got a lot of people that came back with different answers, varying, you know, from ritualistic down to not. And um, and then a, a good friend of mine that um, had a extremely tragic history um and then took the journey of healing and everything and has come out on the other side of that what he said just really struck with my heart and i'm going to read it he said communion to him was the celebration of union both with death and with life and always with relationship and that's what that's what abba that's my name for God, Abba, um, has gently done with me, with helping me to, you know, to, to let me know how much he loves me and how much he's inviting me to be with him and that sort of thing. And I think he does that for everybody. So um, what I wanted to do is welcome everybody to the table today and open your mic and if you will, and just uh, tell me your name and where you're from. Um, you know, you all may be from Abbotsford, I don't know. So if you're, if you will, will. Josh in Abbotsford. Dave and Diane in, in Nanaimo. Where's that? On the island. British oh. Columbia. British Columbia. Mm -hmm. I'm doing Kathy Abbotsford. Sarah Abbotsford. Renal and Alsha and Data Abbotsford. Greg in Abbotsford. Neil and Kathy Chilliwack. Eden. Elisa from Abbotsford. Linda in Mission, D.C., okay. Uh, Brittany and her aunt Florence in Abbotsford. We'll just introduce ourselves. Uh, Brenda and Philip in Mission. Wow, okay. All right, well, I uh, wanted to just, Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, 
There is neither slave nor free. There is no male or female for all or one in Jesus Christ. And that's truly where my heart's at right now, that we're all one. So I invite you to partake and welcome to the table. Thanks, Molly. And now, Abba Father, I want to pray for Greg and the message that he's going to share with us today. I give him wisdom and give him peace uh, about whatever's come, you know, going to happen. Thanks. So am I on now? You're good. All right. Thank you. Well, thank you for uh, this privilege of uh, sharing this morning. I appreciate the thoughts on the round table. I do believe that uh, I think all of you have uh, shared similar, similar experiences where you've spent time with people, but uh, you come away with, they either talk to all about themselves or I did far too much talking and I learned nothing. And uh, then we kick ourselves and wish that we would have uh, shown up in a different way. So I appreciate the, uh, the thoughts of being open and honest and uh, yeah, the clarity that can come when we haven't been together for a long time and we make a, an effort to come together and all of a sudden we are back on track again as if we were never apart. Uh, those are beautiful moments. And uh, so I do appreciate hearing some of those similar, similar feelings when we talk about connections. Well, this morning, um, I was very encouraged by our time last week with Brad. And one of the things that uh, I took away from our time together was this idea of applying the, the three readings when we're looking at uh, passages of, of scripture. So this morning I was wondering what it would be like to look at the gospel story from Luke uh, chapter 19, in this idea of the historical, there was a man, and his name was Zacchaeus, and uh, then think about how his situation or how our story could relate to his story, and then is there some things that uh, Love would want to communicate to us uh, through this story that would be an encouragement for us today. So uh, I'm going to, uh, yeah, read from uh, the message this morning, uh, the, 
the short passage from uh, Luke 19. And maybe hearing it in a different uh, translation, um, maybe just moves us away from the things that we've always heard or have always read. So here it goes. Then Jesus entered and walked through Jericho. There was a man there. His name was Zacchaeus, the head taxman, and was quite rich. He wanted desperately to see Jesus, but the crowd was in his way. He was a short man and couldn't see over the crowd, so he ran, a, ran on ahead and climbed up a sycamore tree so that he could see Jesus when he came by. When Jesus got to the tree, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, hurry down. Today is my day to be a guest in your home. Zacchaeus scrambled out of the tree, hardly believing his good luck. Delighted to take Jesus home with him. Everyone who saw the incident was indignant and grumped. What business does he have getting cozy with this crook? Zacchaeus just stood there a little stunned. He stammered apologetically. Master, I give half my income to the poor. And if I'm caught cheating, I pay four times for the damages. Jesus said, today is salvation day in this home. Here he is, Zacchaeus, son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to find and restore the lost. The lost. A very interesting historical character who was not very well received in the community. <laughs> so let's just take a, take a moment and kind of uh, think through what exactly took place. Uh, so Jesus is on a journey and he seems to have a particular person in mind that uh, he comes across. He makes this journey into uh, Jericho and he finds a, a character uh, hanging in a tree. Calls him by name, which is uh, quite unique in itself. And uh, wants to have uh, wants to have a connection with this guy. Even invites himself to this guy's house. I guess that was that maybe took a little bit of nerve. I'm not sure, but uh, he didn't seem to mind at all hanging out with a guy who was not very well received in the community. And it's interesting that uh, the people's response to uh, Jesus, his actions were uh, quite, um, I would say, very human. Maybe like you and I, if someone uh, gets looked on by somebody of importance, 
when we think that they shouldn't have had any, um, nobody looking at them at all. But uh, yes, it was very human of the crowd. And uh, yeah, they even, the statement that uh, the message uses, what business does this Jesus have getting cozy with this crook? Uh, maybe we've said that in different ways, um, not maybe in those same words, but maybe we've used that kind of a, a way of dissing people that we don't quite think too highly of. And then something unique happens where uh, Zacchaeus quite different than what people have expected says, you know what? I'm going to give half of my stuff away. And um, if I've wronged anybody, I'm going to repay them four times as, as much. And I'm not sure all who all heard that kind of an announcement, but uh, I think they were probably taken back that um, maybe there is some good in this guy yet. Interesting that uh, Jesus doesn't mention anything about this guy's um, stature in the community or uh, like or dislike. He just wanted to befriend Zacchaeus because there was something that Zacchaeus needed and he was the only one who could offer it. Interesting enough, uh, Zacchaeus' name, um, they say, means pure or innocent. How ironic that uh, here he is as a head taxman. And uh, in that day, the head taxman was over many other taxmen. And uh, their job is to collect taxes. And if you are a really good head tax man, you connected more taxes than anybody else because you could. And that was a, uh, a, a looked upon um, favor that you had if you were a tax man. I think we still look upon tax people today in the same way. Um, but uh, regardless of that point, um, he, here's a guy who was short in stature, which means, means that uh, he wasn't as tall as everyone else around him and probably went through a little bit of uh, harassment as a young man and as a businessman. But what was in his heart was he wanted to see Jesus. And uh, who could fault anybody? And um, I think all of us would want to encourage anybody who wants to meet Jesus, do whatever you have to do. And so here Zacchaeus is um, pursuing to the best of his ability at this point in time to get a connection with Jesus. And if all he could do was see him, um, maybe that was what his what was on his heart to do well i have to admit that this guy was pretty uh courageous he didn't uh, try to butt in line 
he just decided to get over the line, be creative, climb a tree, get up high enough, and uh, look over the top and uh, meet up with uh, Jesus this way, not knowing that Jesus was looking for him. And in this looking for him, he comes right to the tree, looks up, and says something like this. Zacchaeus, come on down. You are the next contestant on The Price is Right. Oh, sorry, wrong line. Uh, today is your day for me to come to your house. Hurry up. Come on down. And uh, I'm not sure who was more shocked, the crowd or Zacchaeus, that uh, Jesus used his name. But uh, when you're in a crowd and someone calls out your name, um, it, it causes you to um, take notice. <laughs> Why are you noticing me? So Zacchaeus, I think maybe more in shock than anything else, thinks that this is a lucky day for him. And uh, he comes down and uh, immediately invites Jesus into his house. I don't know how far they had to walk. Don't know how long it took. But uh, he, was a, he was a happy man. But as in most stories, there's always a, an exchange of someone else who's looking on that just does not approve. And so the crowd around him is not very happy that uh, Jesus, who they would have wanted to have him come to their house, uh, see this guy going to visit the uh, the home of a crook. And because the tax man was that kind of a, I guess, expected uh, thief, um, they didn't uh, think that that was very good. So in the course of their engagement, Zacchaeus has a change of heart, or at least he publicly makes known his intent after this encounter with Jesus. Interesting that uh, not only did he kind of just meet a basic requirement, if you were to um, pay back somebody, he went over and beyond what was actually even necessary or required. And then Jesus again uh, speaks to him and says, you know, salvation, this is salvation day. You are a son of Abraham. Making no connection to wealth or dollars and cents or even his uh, profession or um, stature. He says, I came to seek and to save or restore the lost. And could it be that what uh, Zacchaeus lost more than anything else was his identity of being a child of God, a child of Abraham, a son of the promise. And that's where the connection where Jesus was wanting to make with this individual that your mind, regardless of all that you do and all that people would see, 
So that's probably enough, but let's take a look at it from a different perspective. How do we relate? Well, maybe one of the ways that we can relate personally is, um, you remember some of those conferences you used to go to where there was long lineups? Some of us are scratching our heads. And I tell you, there was times where if we could just get to the front row, if we could just get that best seat, if we were within um, touching distance, you know, if we could get a, if, if we could be there so that if they threw something to give away, we would catch it. Uh, yes, we were the happy people. But the moment we were stuck in line and somebody else got ahead of us or got our seat, oh boy, we had a different idea about coming to these conferences. And um, that was just uh, too much tension sometimes to even show up. Uh, we heard things like, oh, there's, there's such a big crowd. Why worth, it's not worth my time. Or it's too expensive, too far to go. Um, yeah, were we really seeking Jesus? Or were we seeking an experience? And uh Jesus just happened to be in the way or on the way. Um, yeah, before I get too carried away with that, how about a parade day? How many of us have lined up for a parade on the street and we thought we were in a prime spot? Somebody comes along, puts their chair right in front of us. Or a family comes in and all of a sudden there's three or four kids scurrying around our feet and we can't even see. We have to kind of move up a, a few uh, a few uh, places on the on the park uh, so we can see above all the people in front of us. And then we grumble and complain and uh, you know you you know we're all human. We get these ideas. We get indignant and grumble about the, the smallest things. And so we find ourselves being seeking and yet disgruntled. And um, yeah, we miss the point sometimes of why we're in these uh, unique situations or we're pursuing something. And then we encounter Jesus. And sometimes it's the, the smallest <clears throat> interaction we have. Maybe it's the person that we're sitting beside that has an encounter that they share with us. Or they say, you know, I can't get to the front, would, but would you pray for me? And we have this incredible encounter that changes us, changes them. And I wonder if we recognize we were in the right place at the right time. And it wasn't about the speaker from the front, but it was about the place that we were at that moment. That we were open, our neighbor was in, in, uh, open, and something of an exchange happened 
that made a difference for everyone around us. When Jesus says, I, I came to find and to uh, restore the lost, <clears throat> I swear. We feel like we've come home. We feel like I now have accomplished, or I now feel a part of what this family is meant to be. I'm not sure about you, but when those things happen, I go home changed. I go home, I don't know what happened, but something happened, and I'm changed for it. Who can you most identify with at this point? Are you, can you identify most with the Zacchaeus who was seeking? He was very curious. He was pursuing. He was dealing with the obstacles because he wanted to get to know Jesus. Or are we part of a crowd that is watching others achieve or <clears throat> watching others who have experiences and we're not happy that they're getting them? They're not getting their, they're getting the breaks and I'm not. Or are we, and I might say the, the kind of the, the remembered Zacchaeus who has found his place, who has had an encounter with Jesus and is making significant changes because of the love and the respect that he's been shown and the honor that he felt he didn't receive, but we received by the a hand of someone who should have maybe possibly known him better or treated him differently, but uh, has invited him uh, in a very special way. In our uh, <clears throat> kind of third experience here, where it's about what is Jesus asking of us? Our theme, I hadn't thought of it this way, but it is the last, uh, the last uh, message or on this topic. Jesus at the center of my everyday. Well, how about this? Can we receive the fact that Jesus knows your name? That every one of us have, uh, is, is on his heart. I don't know how he can carry us all on his heart, but he does. He takes the initiative. We often quote the, quote the verse that talks about, we love because he first loved us. 
so this is there's this inclusive uh, this uh, heart uh, heartwarming um, notion here that it doesn't matter what profession we're in. It doesn't matter how small, medium, and large we may be in our physical stature. It may not, we may be handicapped in some way. We're all broken, honestly, if we're true to ourselves. We, we all have got cracks in our um, emotional and spiritual state that uh, could derail us from ever achieving what God would have us do. And interesting enough, we can also see that uh, it really doesn't matter the condition of our house. We may be uh, destitute, we may be lost, bereaved, um, with no with thinking we have no purpose. And Jesus invites himself to come into our space and wants to, wants to journey with us. How incredible is that? And for some of us, we've had those encounters where Jesus has spoken to us. Jesus has answered a significant prayer that we've been praying for a long time. Some would call them miracles. Some would call them um, serendipitous moments. A collision of, of um, good karma. Um, you name it. Put a, whatever word you want on it. And we are changed forever. I'll, I'll take a moment and just share one particular event that happened a number of years ago now. A young woman we knew who was um, invited by her family to go on a um, trip to the water slide. It was the last day of the season. <clears throat> and uh, her kids have been asking her to come for a long, long time. So finally, she said, it's a beautiful day. Last day of the season, and uh, okay, I will go. Well, not being ex too experienced on the water slide, um, she went on down and um, kind of got stuck about uh, 10 feet away from the bottom and uh, stood up and started to walk toward the end. Well, the... Uh, supervisor who was letting other people come down after her didn't see what had happened and sent someone else down before she got to the end of the water slide. Well, this other person came down fast, knocked the feet out from under this lady, and there was a collision on this uh, water slide. And her husband entered into the water and carried his wife off and uh, took her straight to the hospital. Her, um, her collarbone had uh, 
kind of, uh, I guess she had kind of, someone had, uh, this other lady had landed on her side and uh, her collarbone was uh, dislocated. Her shoulder was uh, dislocated. And um, she was in excruciating pain. And uh, every vibration would send this woman into uh, a dreadful agony. Unbelievable, un- unbelievable, uh, you know, kind of that, how could this happen to such a beautiful person? She was a worshiper. She came regularly to the church to worship and she, um, but she couldn't attend uh, for any of the worship services because the vibration would just send her body into uh just crazy disorder, pain, uh, agony. Uh, she couldn't lift her arm. Um, she couldn't do any housework. Uh, and over the course of taking medication, of course, that was affecting her too. And so everyone was praying for her and praying for her and praying for her. She was our, um, our home group leader, her and her husband. And, um, so we, we, as a home group leader, were lifting her up, and the chair was having prayer vigils. Uh, the church was having prayer vigils for her. And on one occasion, the ladies got together and had a had a time of uh, seeking God for her for her healing. A word came for her to go into the bedroom and um, stand and meet with Jesus. And Jesus revealed himself to her as a chiropractor. And as she was riveted to the floor, kind of standing in one spot, her body, from what she says, nobody was watching at the time, did contortions that nobody could do. And when she came out of this experience, She was like 95% healed. This was 30 days after um, she'd had this accident and she would be in excruciating pain for 30 days. She came out of this uh, session with her chiropractor. The three ladies or four ladies that were praying for her looked at her and said, kind of pointed at her chest and said, there's something not right here. It's not quite lined up right. And there in the midst, in the midst of all four of them, the chiropractor finished the job. Unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable. So now you have, she was a witness and then these other four people were a witness. And at the, time this took place I think they were having a meeting that Saturday night this is kind of had possibly a Saturday morning Saturday night she showed up at the church we were praying she came bursting through the door yelping and dancing and praising God and the rest of us could not believe the miracle and it was 
totally um, a God thing. Totally a God thing. The doctors had said, you're going to have to just live with this pain. You know, your ligaments in your arm will be, you know, they'll, they'll get better. But uh, this, this alignment of your, of your collarbone, um, just, we, we just can't do anything with that kind of thing. And that shifted something for me that has never changed since. <laughs> that God can do a miracle. And if it doesn't happen, it doesn't mean that he can't. It's that the timing isn't right yet or whatever. But that that um, that demonstration of what God can do with a, in one sense, a yielded vessel shifted my perspective about anything that I've ever seen. And to my mind, will ever, ever will see that he can, he can do it. How, how and when, I have no idea, or it really doesn't matter. So an encounter can change everything. And so I believe that with Zacchaeus, when he had an encounter, his life was changed. He was never the same again. And he did fulfill what he had uh, committed himself to do. So when this Jesus at the center, it's... Can we catch the moments? Can we catch the minutes? Sometimes it's catching the the, the aha moment and take that in as part of God speaking to us. And if each one of those is kind of captured and built on, we will not be the same. We can't possibly be the same. And is it about being remembering and befriending a God who is able and he is looking for seekers? His promise is if we seek, we find. And is it also about being restored to our true identity. That we may see ourselves in a certain way. Other people may see us in a certain way. But if we spend time with Jesus, we get his perspective, which is the most important perspective, that we're his son, we're his daughter. We have a place He has a place reserved for us. He wants to come and have a connection with us that is um, beyond all the um, warts and wrinkles and uh, mistakes and uh, things that we've done and said and will continue to do. Does he want us to maintain a connection more than getting it right. Being perfect, having it all laid out, and then we come to him for his blessing. And so my my final thoughts are 
Love changes everything. His action toward us causes us to want to run toward him. Love knows my name, and he's on the journey with us. He says, come as you are. He says, if you seek me, you will find me. And if we can learn how to reflect the goodness that he has shown us toward ourselves and to others, I believe that we will have a life well lived with Jesus at the center in our everyday life. Thanks for this opportunity. Blessings on your day. Thank you, Greg. Oh, there was lots of goodies in there. That was awesome. Um, thanks for sharing that with us. Okay, let me just give you a blessing as you head off, please. Remember, I better just pull this up. Remember, we don't have church next Sunday, like neither on Zoom nor live, uh, because it's a selfie Sunday. It means you get to hang out with your friends or go camping or be with your family or rest up and use it as a, um, a Sabbath. And um, if there's anything else that um, you need to know about, you can reach out to Sylvia at the office at thebridgeonline.ca. And um, we're, so our next service is Sunday, September 11th, and it is live and via Zoom at Legacy Center. Um, so I hope you can join us. Let me just give you a blessing for this week. God, we thank you that you know our names, each of our names, and we ask that um, we would recognize when you're calling us, that we would have uh, hearts that are willing um, to have you come into our homes, into our hearts, and kind of look at things with us. We invite all of the things that you can provide for us, all the ways you can heal us, all the ways that you can just be with us even when we're not healed. We appreciate your love. We accept your love. And we ask that we would reflect your love to others. In your name we pray. Amen.